everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Monday, March the 1st. You made it to March, you guys. We made it to March. And today I'm going to air part two of my interview with Sabrina McDonald. If you've ever struggled with a fear of dying or a fear of death or just fear in general, this is going to be a really great conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. I hope you guys are enjoying my interview with the lovely Sabrina McDonald. She really does have an amazing story. If you missed part one, you can go back to Friday's interview with her and you can hear uh, the story of her life and kind of where God has brought her and why she's so passionate about telling people, listen, you don't have to live with this constant fear of dying. The Bible says that if we know the Lord, we really are bulletproof. We're not going home until a moment before God says it's time. That's not a reason to live recklessly, but it's definitely a reason that we can live fearlessly. So I hope you guys will be enjoying this interview. Before we get started today, I want to remind you, we've got a brand new study starting right now at Mom Strong International. It is my heart to take you guys through the Word of God to encourage you to walk in the way that God would have you walk. And as we study His Word, the Bible says, we become like that person who knows the word of God, who does not need to be ashamed and who can rightly apply it and divide it in every circumstance, in every aspect of our lives. So join us today. A brand new study begins today, momstronginternational.com. All right, without further ado, I'm going to air part two of my interview with Sabrina McDonald. Well, and this is Paul, right? You said, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we don't think about that really as the church anymore. And Christians, we don't have a theology for suffering. It seems to me like we fear death more than we fear God. And we're willing to do, I mean, we've we've given up, you know, our freedom for a false sense of security. We've given up free speech. We're giving our information to people. And the root of this is fear. And I love that you, that the Lord brought you through what really is a horrific experience. And he brought you out on the other side and took you through your own car accidents so that you would see your life is in his hands. That's exactly right. We need to know that we are bulletproof until the day God says it's time to come home. And how do you live? How did that change you? So after that, you're going, you know what? I don't have to be afraid anymore. Now you have this freedom, right? Rather than fear that is driving you. That's exactly right. And it has emboldened me, obviously, first of all. It's also helped me raise my kids and it's helped me to disciple other people. You know, if you think back like the 1950s and previous to that, the 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 average lifespan was about age 57. That's about as far as you got. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And nowadays I'm getting close to that. I'm starting to freak out a little bit. <laughs> nowadays it's it's something like 78 or 80, somewhere around in there. So we don't see death as much as as we used to. And there's other things in our culture right now, like when someone does die, they just sort of sweep them away and they make them look nice. They put makeup on them. You don't actually see it. Children aren't dying like they used to. It used to be that people would have 10 kids and maybe five of them lived. and But they would die a lot of times from viruses and different things. Not that we want those days back, but that gave people 
an understanding that death is a part of life. That's a part of what we do. It's guaranteed. Also things like just facial creams and Botox and all of this desire to look young and make ourselves believe that we're not getting older. Those are all ways of trying to make us, you know, put that idea in the back of our minds. We don't want death to be something we think about or see or consider or even look at as a reality. And I think a lot of people have exchanged science for God, thinking that science is what's going to save them. That's what's going to make them be able to live longer and maybe forever, you know, if we can ever get to that point. Even stuff as simple as killing our own animals, you know, for for meat. People don't do that anymore. They just go to the store. It's funny, my kids were watching this little show and two of these brothers were talking to each other and one said to the other, well, that's like saying chicken nuggets actually come from real chickens. (laughs) He says, well, they do. You know, I think that's kind of the mentality that that our country and our culture is in is that we just don't want to know. You know, we don't want to see the blood. We don't want to see the guts. Not that I enjoy blood and guts, but we don't ever, we're not around it anymore. And so people fear it like it is just this illuminating elephant in the room that this is the thing we don't speak of. So because of that, you know, Christians have gotten to the point where they just don't, they're so afraid of death. They don't want to do anything that's going to put themselves in any kind of danger. I was in a Bible study not too long ago. And this was a really difficult study. And we were studying the book of Revelation. I mean, these were ladies who were really, really there to to learn some verse by verse, very in-depth information. And we're sitting there talking about, you know, well, these days there's these shooters coming out. And what if a shooter comes into your church and all these things? And there's probably maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 of us sitting there. And one girl says, Oh well, if a shooter comes in, I'm just gonna pretend like I'm not a Christian. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm a Christian because I have little children and I'm their mom and they need me and God will understand. And one by one, these women went around the circle saying, Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, Peter denied the Lord and and he was forgiven, and so it's okay. And they got to me and I said, Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I can't just let this go by, you know, without saying something. And boy, they thought I was just, you know one of those crazy fundamental people, which I thought they were too. I'm like, I am a crazy fundamental person. What kind of people are you people? And (laughs) they, they were looking at me like, what, you know, you're telling us that we have to put our life, you know, on the line just because some shooter comes in and says, I said, look, if that man comes in and says, you're a Christian, I'm not going to be like, yeah, 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 shoot me. But I'm going to say, yes, I'm a Christian. I am not going to prepare to deny my faith. And I said, you know, I don't know if I'll be brave enough in that moment. Like Peter wasn't, you know, he, he shrunk back, but before then he was saying, Lord, I'm with you. Hey, I'm ready to chop off somebody's ear. You know, I'm, I'm ready to pull out my sword for you. I said, that's where I want to be. I want to be the one saying, I'm ready to pull out my sword. You know, let's, let's do this thing. And if I'm afraid at the very end, I pray God has mercy on me, but that's not what I'm preparing myself for. I'm preparing myself to lay my life down for him. It reminds Reminds me of Perpetua, who was one of the early early church martyrs, and she had written a diary about what she was going through. And that the Romans said to her, "You know, we want you to recant. We want you to recant." And she had a nursing infant with her. They took her away from her baby and threw her in prison. And she worried and worried and worried about her baby. And her finally, they let her parents come and bring the baby so she could nurse the baby. 
And her father, who was was a pagan, he was begging her. He said, if you can't do it for me, at least do it for your child. You know, please, please deny this crazy Christianity. And I thought, you know, Perpetua could have easily said, you know, I'll just give up my faith until my child is older and can take care of himself. And then I'll become a Christian. You know, then I'll do that. She could have thought of a thousand different ways to put her faith aside. But instead, she said, no, Father, no, I am a Christian. This is what I am. And even if I have to give up my child, I'm going to do it. And she did. And they threw her to the wild animals and she was ripped to pieces because she was a Christian. And she didn't use that as an excuse, you know, for her little children. And um, we shouldn't use it as an excuse either. You know, we don't think about what other people have died for in order to get us to where we are. How many martyrs have laid down their life? How many people who were just translating the Bible or, or who just claimed Christianity have died so that we could get to the place where we are nice and, like you say, fat and sassy, um, not having to worry about anything, not even, you know, we're squeamish about even being called a name just yeah, by saying true. we're Christians. Yeah, so. it, it goes against that comfort. We want to be to be comfortable. A few minutes ago, uh, you and I were talking about the story of Lazarus, your favorite story out of John chapter 11. The part where Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die and who anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he stops and says, do you believe this? Like we're not, we're saying the thing, but we don't live like we believe it. And boy, you know, I, I look at that and I just think, first of all, this is on parents to, to, to uh, pass on this truth to our children. It's funny, my grandmother, I wrote about the death of my grandfather, uh, the first book that I ever wrote, talking about marriage because their marriage was such a, an inspiration to me. And when my grandmother died, she was not afraid to die and neither was my granddad. And I remember because my husband was a pastor for so many years, we used to tell people, you know, two of the main things that pastors do is they marry people and they bury people. And you have to be comfortable with both of those things to be able to say, this isn't the end. As believers, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we will see that loved one again because they died in Christ. And it has to be the focal point. And I remember my grandmother just telling me, you know, and she and she lived to be a you know, pretty old age. She was in her 90s when she died. But she told me that it was curious to her to look down at her hands in her 90s and see the hands of an old woman. She said, I don't think of myself that way. In my mind, I'm in my 30s. In my mind, this is how my life is. And, and Dan and I are doing this. Well, by that time, of course, my grandpa had, had gone home to be with the Lord. But even on the day that she died, she was at peace because she knew that there was a veil. It was a thin veil and, she, and the Lord was going to take her to the other side of it. And as believers, we've got to learn to face death and accept it because for a Christian, death isn't for us what it is for the non-believer. And yet, boy, we see fear in the church right now. It's yes. amazing to me. Yes. It's a sad thing, really, because it robs people of being able to enjoy the joy and the peace of the Christian life when they're so focused on the here and now that they can't see past that. You see, that's where the prosperity gospel gets it wrong. They're, they're right in the sense that God wants to bless us, but they're wrong in the sense that it's not in this life where we get the blessing. <laughs> it's in the next life. And that's where we need to keep our, our understanding of the blessing. And, you know, I don't know. I've, I've wondered many times, how do we get people who have never faced death to see the other side? And I'm hoping that 
one of the good things that comes out of the coronavirus is that people finally see that they are mortal beings and they are going to die. It's almost like the whole country for the first time has had to face their own mortality and realize that, yeah, I mean, when you finally say, you know what, there's something else out there. Uh, Is this really the end? No, it's not. What's on the other side? And am I going to find out the good on the other side or the bad on the other side? So it really helps to to spread the gospel when people say, gosh, this really is not the end. You know, I've, I've got to look out what's going to happen to me after I die. It, the world right now, I was just reading something earlier that that was kind of an atheistic point of view on, on the culture. And they were saying their answer to it is fatalism. You know, just accept the fact that you're going to die you're, you, and you just go into nothingness. Well, what kind of hope is there in that? What kind of life is what? What is there to look forward to? And that's kind of how the church is living right now with this fatalistic mentality. Like we got to do all we can right now. We better make sure we don't offend anybody. We got to make sure everything's A-OK because this is all we got right here and right now. And I'm going, you are forgetting the Holy Spirit. You're forgetting the power of God. You are forgetting the gospel. Yes, you 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 are creating your own your own theology that has nothing to do with the power of God. It's like they, they've they've totally given up on any any faint notion that God may have anything to do with the day you die. I remember a woman one time said she was trying to comfort me, bless her heart, about my husband's death, and she said, "You know, God didn't want your husband to die." <laughs> And it made me laugh because I said, well, if God doesn't know the day that he died, what does God know? You know, right, like, right, right. It, was, it was God absolutely. Was <laughs> yeah. God's up in heaven. Like, whoops, that was an accident. Yeah. I, what are you doing here? <laughs> I didn't, what are you doing here? I, you know, weren't you busy today? I, we didn't have this appointment. The fact of the matter is, you know, the Bible says it's been appointed to man once to die. And then after that, we face judgment. We should be more concerned about what happens after we die. Yes. We are with what happens before we die. More concerned with what kind of rewards are we accruing in heaven? The Bible yes. teaches that, right? We know that there's going to be crowns in heaven, rewards in heaven. But we live for this earth with, with Jesus himself said, the moths are going to destroy it. Rust is going to get in there and ruin the stuff that you have. All you got to do is go back, you know, a couple hundred years and look and see what's left of everybody's stuff. Nothing. That's exactly right. And Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. In other words, go out and do that work. Go out and do it and start getting yourself treasures in heaven. When you get up there, you're going to start seeing what you did. And, you know, if you're worried about this life at all, worry about what it is that you're accruing for the next life. That's what it's all about. And, you know, you mentioned raising kids. It's been interesting through all of this going on and, and through you know, all the, the unrest and the violence and things. And I have a 12-year-old son who's very precocious and very concerned about just things in life. He, he doesn't miss anything hardly. And so he's been hearing these things on the news and different things. And he said, you know, he's asking me now, Mom, are we going to die? And we've been watching things about the Holocaust. And he's seeing the parallels between things going on. Oh, there's no question. We were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago, uh, about the parallels between what happened in the the Soviet Union mm-hmm. under communism and totalitarianism and what we're seeing coming to the United States. I mean, the groundwork is, is definitely being laid right now. Yes. And so I said, I looked at him and, and he said, you know, are we going to be put in situations like that? And I said, well, we might be. But I said, but you know what? Some things are worth dying for. There is some things that are more important than this life. And he just looked at me like, what? You know, like, what are you saying? You know, are you 
you're saying that that we might actually have to die and I'm and I'm looking at him going yeah I mean if there's a time where we have to choose between our life or our faith then yes because I tell you what if they don't kill you now you're going to die later anyway I mean, you're not getting out of it. <laughs> you're not going to say, well, I'll just, you know, pretend like I'm not a Christian. I'm avoid it. I was telling my mom earlier, I said, you know what? I've often wondered if I would have to die for my faith. And many years ago, I was thinking about that. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have to die for my faith anyway, I mean, they're going to come and get me at some point. You know, even if they find me huddling under the corner, I would rather go up front with all the saints, you know, I'm talking about the ones that they're going to come and get. And I'm going to be like walking in there with, with the guys that are doing the evangelism and the ones that are, that are really shouting it from the rooftops. And uh, you and me, Heidi, we'll be walking in there together. And I said, these will be the ones that are encouraging me and saying, yes, let's go out there. We're going to face those lions. And I don't want to be with the, with the ones that have been hiding in the back for years and years, sniffling and crying and wondering and worrying, you know, oh, it's going to happen. And uh, I said, yeah, so send me out on the front line. You know, I don't want to be afraid. I want to be out there with the ones who really take this thing seriously. Well, you said something interesting, I thought, talking about the lesson that we need to remember that we're bulletproof until the day God says it's time to kiss home. And you said it's time for Christians to act like it. We need more Stonewall Jacksons in our troops. Why did you say that? Well, Stonewall Jackson is one of my favorite characters, and it is so sad to me that they are ignoring the fact that he and and Robert E. Lee both were men of great Christian character just simply because they were fighting for the South and the Confederacy. Um, Stonewall Jackson in particular was a very great man of faith. And uh, if you've never seen the movie Gods and Generals, I would highly recommend it. Very, very good story. And they really focus on the faith of Stonewall Jackson. But they used to call him a Stonewall. That's where he got this nickname from, because he was so convinced that God was in control of his death that he knew that no bullet could stop him. And so he would Mm. he would go out on the front lines and he he would stand up on his horse straight and tall when everyone else was cowering with the bullets whizzing beside him and around him because he knew that it was only God's will and God's will only that would take his life from him. He knew no man could take his life. Only God was the one who was going to decide when he died. And he knew if God had to make the bullets go around his head, he would. And he had no fear in battle. So they called him the stone wall because he was just so straight and tall and feared absolutely nothing on the battlefield. And those are the kinds of people we need in the church today, you know, bringing the gospel, bringing the Bible and bringing it out there and saying, I am not ashamed. I am not afraid. And knowing it well enough that people just don't know their Bibles well enough to be confident in that way. And if they would, if they would sit down and actually read it instead of just saying, well, yeah, I know Jesus. He was a nice guy. Like I've heard some people call him uh, hippie Jesus, you know, let's all stand around and in our sandals and sing Kumbaya. Well, this is the modern church, uh, something that's grieved me for a long time. And, it, and the church right now has an incredible opportunity. You know, in the middle of, in the middle of COVID, people are, you know, they're telling us people are going to die. I mean, I was waiting for, you know, bring out your dead. I was waiting for that. And it never happened. And what happened to the church? We failed this test. It, by, by and large, we failed it. And I understood like in the very beginning of, of COVID, I understood we, we did not know what we were dealing with. As soon as we understood, okay, this is treatable for one thing. We know we can treat it. They're paying attention to it. And it was the right thing to do to be careful, the right thing to do, wash your hands, all of those things. But instead of just doing what, what was uh, common sense dictates, the church is closed. At a time when people were afraid, the church went MIA. 
And I think to myself, man, Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life. Jesus said that we had no fear in death when we follow him. And it doesn't mean that we act recklessly. So I'm not here to, you know, someone I'm sure is going to completely take me out of context because I love to do that. But I'm not saying to act recklessly. I'm saying we do need to act fearlessly. And being fearless and being reckless are not the same thing. Well, that's exactly right. And and look at the way Jesus treated people who had communicable diseases. I mean, leprosy was a big, big, big disease there. He didn't say, okay, everybody stand back. You know, nobody let the lepers in. No, he didn't. He went through there and with confidence, talked to them, spoke with them, sat with them, healed them. He is the only one who could do that. Who's the only one who would do that? They ostracized them from society, which is exactly what we've done with coronavirus. Although in this case, we've accused everybody of having coronavirus and ostracized everyone. And, and that's what, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to separate because he knows that, you know, the, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So it's in unity that we find our strength. And when he can divide us up, that's when we become weaker. And that's when we can fail. Sabrina, I love that you've taken the story of your life. You know, a lot of other people could have gone through what you went through and and shrunk away. And then the adversary would have gotten a twofer, right? Because that's what he's always after. And I love that that you have allowed the Lord not only to uh, work in such a powerful way in your life, but that you've allowed him to work in your life to help other people remember that our times are already in God's hands and and that we can be fearless and because we know that we're bulletproof until the day God says it's time to come home. And I love that that has been what God's been bringing out of this thing, right? He says he brings beauty from ashes. A lot of us listening to this right now are being so encouraged because they're like, you know what? I have been living in fear. I have been afraid. And you're right. God said that I'm not going home a minute before it's my time to go. And I don't need to live in this perpetual state of fear. And I just, I'm so thankful for your voice. If people want to find you, because you've got a ministry online, which is really fantastic. Where can people find you? SabrinaMcDonald.com. SabrinaMcDonald.com. So it's like McDonald had a farm, like McDonald's, like M-C-D-O-N. It's not an M-A-C, like the English, right? Exactly right. Like, yes, you're doing like the good old South down there. That's well, right. I am so thankful for you and for your ministry. And I hope to have you back on again sometime. It's just, you know, the more I think about what we're coming up against, and I've been talking about this a lot on the show because I see so much ahead that if God doesn't intervene and if God's people do not start behaving like the children of God, I do believe we're going to, we're in for some very seriously hard times in the months and years to come. And I so appreciate your voice just coming on and saying, you know, no, it doesn't matter what comes. What matters is we know where we're going. We know who we are. And more than that, we know whose we are. We belong to Jesus. So Sabrina McDonald, thank you so much for coming on the show and reminding everybody that we really are bulletproof until the Lord says it's time to come home. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It really has been a privilege. I love your show. Thank you. And I'm. we'll have you on again. For more information about Sabrina McDonald and her ministry, you can find her at sabrinamcdonald.com. For more information, you can go to Heidi St. John, and I will link back to it in the show notes today. Have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at the business.